Right, so let's talk about the wonder that is HFT, High Fashion Talk, which is now on Instagram and Facebook, and you have your own website. Tell me a bit more about it. How many years is it since the first thing you posted? Gosh, I think it's been three and a half years now um, since we started as High Fashion Talk. Um, and we started as a, a Facebook group more than anything. We did sort of understand that we needed an Instagram, um, but we didn't really realize what the, the significance of that would be or sort of what we would actually put on there. Um, of course, Instagram has changed quite a bit in the last sort of few years as well. Um, so I think Instagram has morphed into being a platform that applies more to us with more information and sort of contextual and conversation um, on there, which it didn't have when we started. It was just sort of pretty photos and celebrities and recognizable logos. Um, but at that time, we started the Facebook group and there was a real sort of, there was a community existing sort of ethereally, I guess, um, around high fashion sort of online. Um, and there was loads of Facebook groups. There was a group for Saint Laurent, Balenciaga, Gucci, which were huge and they're still bigger than HFT today. Um, but they were centered around selling and we really wanted to host the conversation and let people have their own say on the matter and to actually talk, I guess, instead of sort of the fire emojis that that was the cultural conversation at the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we, we started it as a Facebook group and I had a lot of Facebook friends who were in the fashion industry or they were trying to get into the fashion industry um and we also had this sort of online fashion community to tap into so it grew fairly quickly at the start um grew thousands within the first week and then sort of since then it's been steadily growing um but yes it's, it's transformed quite a bit like at the start i must admit it was it was quite cringy um like it was a lot about sort of outfits and what people actually wanted to yeah. wear which is completely valid because I think that's how people mainstream people engage with fashion is what do I wear to look good or to look cool um so yeah a lot of the conversation was that and we were sort of people making fun of us for being all about sort of wide pants and Nike Air Force Ones um <laughs> but I had the sort of vision that I wanted to make it about sort of actual high fashion and to to be discussing what was happening and um, yeah, to, to bring it to what it is today, essentially. Um, Talking about fashion without selling something. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I think it's capturing that sort of water cooler conversation a lot of the time and sort of um, what, conversations I thought were happening in the fashion community sort of in London at the sort of Georgian Dragon. I've been told since then that that no such conversation was happening, but I imagine <laughs> that these sort of amazing fashion people were having these conversations. I wanted to open them up to to more people and there's it's proven that there are great thinkers and great sort of commentators outside of what is traditionally considered to be the yeah. industry 
Um, and, and you can also, um, there's value to the common sort of judgment on something. Um, the fashion industry might be enamored with something, but actually the real people who are then sort of in their real lives, um, they might be interested in something else or they, they might be captured by another narrative. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to see all the different um, opinions and conversations coming together and that sort of clash. I think what's so fascinating is that in so many ways, the idea of the reviewer, whether it's a theatrical performance or a fashion show or any of those things where we went to the newspaper, we sat and watched a TV program, maybe a, an arts roundup or whatever. We went to the magazines to read what we should be thinking doesn't exist anymore. We're not dictated to. And in the same way that fashion itself is fragmented, that we have, you know, the Rick Owens lover, but we also have the Dior lover. We have people, it's not about this is the thing. Um, this opportunity to have these conversations and sometimes to not agree, sometimes to find amazingly huge numbers of people who do agree, but because they're not having to worry about the advertisers for the publication, they're not having to worry necessarily about being invited back to that front row seat, they can really voice their opinions. And I think for me, that's been one of the reasons I joined and wanted to see and eventually, of course, started putting my two pennies in, as you know, um, was that it was such a fantastically exciting thing to do. Yeah, it's it's really great that sort of, I think people have always wanted somewhere to mm. put in their opinion and they sort of they'll voice it to to whoever who will listen. Um, mm. So giving them a platform where people might understand and they might agree or they might put push back, but it's still sort of fun or um, validating to have somebody sort of consider your opinion and actually give it the time of day. Um, I think everybody wants to feel valued um, mm. for their opinions. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's really interesting, and of course, as you were saying, like the the whole sort of significance of the reviews sort of in magazines have it's just gone gone away um and people sort of see behind that sort of um velvet curtain and see oh actually this is how it works and this is why they're saying this or um it's actually one of my favorite things to read some of the reviews and some of the journalists are really clever they'll they'll say things in the most subtle way um and if you know them, or if you used to know their work, you'll understand that they're actually saying it's terrible. Um, but to the common eye, it seems like they're just praising it or, or saying what, what went on. Um, but yeah, I, I think that kind of goes over a lot of people's heads. So to have somewhere where you can speak plainly um, and to have that conversation is quite important in a way. Um, it helps people understand the fashion industry because we're also in such an industry in a place right now where marketing is so strong um, and a lot of people I see it daily that think that something is good because Rihanna wore it or Kim Kardashian or even just an influencer 
um, they have such strong influence and quite a lot of the time such little um, accountability that they can push anything. And we've seen it with sort of um, people who have sort of diminished and then they'll do one collaboration with a, an influence and they're back. Um, it's super interesting. Um, but yes, it's, it's, it seems that there's not been really a middle ground between the sort of cheerleading and actual criticism. Because also on the other hand, you've got um, high fashion Twitter, which is for conversation and sort of discussion. Um, But I think a lot of the time there, because of all this sort of positivity from the brand, which is quite often being bought by the brand to be communicated through these influencers, um, there's a, you know, one force one way causes another force the other way. High fashion Twitter tends to be so negative around it. Nobody wants to be against the mob on on high fashion Twitter. So there's no conversation. Um, so I think, yeah, but I do love high fashion Twitter. I have to say that. Um, <laughs> but I think having a space that is moderated and um, that there's, I think what we, one of the most important things we have done is to set a precedence for accepting each other's opinions and to present them in a respectful and um, and also a way that can be scrutinized and sort of you you can't just say anything flippant you have to really prove your point um, or you will be um, what's the word um, <laughs> yeah so yeah it, it's it's I think it's the internet has changed so much and I'm glad to be part of that and sort of doing it with high fashion talk. I think that what's so interesting is that that I, I've, I've no idea where I am on on the, the the early joiners but I joined Instagram very early on and there was no conversation and there was nothing and when I, I find anything that you know early on that I did there was no response and the conversation that you now have on Instagram and many of the people that have joined, for example, there are fashion historians on there and costume um, experts who have their own things on Instagram, which there never was. Do you think in some ways that influencers have taken over from the idea that you opened a magazine to be told what was the hot color and now it's the influencer who says, well, I always wear yellow or, you know, you must buy a fitted jacket. Do you think in a sense that's one of the reasons that things have changed is that we're not looking to journalists and fashion magazines for that direction? Yeah, well, journalists have, because the the influencers are way more accessible and personable um, to the converse sort of, the journalists have become inaccessible and sort of um, aloof in a way um, where everything has to be relatable sort of according to what social media tells you. Um, so yeah, people don't aren't able to connect. There are a few journalists that are able to connect with their audience and they're a bit of like influencers in their own right. But I think those are the generally the successful ones nowadays as well. Um, but yeah, I've always had this sort of <clears throat> idea that magazines 
really should be paying more attention to social media and putting effort into making their editors or their contributors into sort of influencers or Heisner Navarrete this week have been talking about key opinion leaders or cultural mm. opinion leaders, um, which is sort of an influencer 2.0 or influencer with a brain, perhaps, uh, <laughs> to say it facetiously. Um, but yeah, it's that there's definitely magazines have been so slow to adopt this. And there's, I think there's a problem in the industry also that we sort of try to cling on to old ideas and I love print and I love sort of the old sort of way of doing magazines but it's it's not going to capture a huge audience it's going to be niche and even Vogue sort of they know that not really anybody buys the magazine but everybody will be talking about the cover um so yeah that the position of a magazine has changed a lot and it's it's just a brand to collaborate with essentially now um in a similar way to uh, Hiroshi Fujiwara with his fragment design, he just sort of slaps his logo on something and sort of maybe changes the colour to what he likes. And he adds that cultural value to something and draws the, the cultural um, eye to it and sort of shines a spotlight on it. Um, I think magazines have way more relevance in, in that space than in actually telling us um what the latest color is these days um i think the whole idea of 12 monthly issues on every book stand or coming through your front door where at least two issues a year were hardly full of anything because you know having worked on that side you know you're struggling in the middle of summer to do another swimwear story and nothing's come through yet and nobody wants to read about the winter coats quite yet so you know but, but also the idea that with with many publications in the last decade and some of them i've been lucky enough to write for they come out twice a year or four times a year they're beautiful. You do want to stick them on, the, let's say, the coffee table, but you want, you know, and if you've had them for a while, you'll pass them on to someone. Whereas a month old Vogue or a month old Harper's Bazaar is just an old magazine. Mm. Whereas the beautiful ones that, that set out to be something special, they, they seem to me to have more of a place now than flogging through that old routine in the same way of reviewing the shows as a roundup seems to me to be completely obsolete because what are you forcing everything into those trends that years ago we really needed um you know i just think that that, that whole idea that i I've, I've read what's happening on hft long before the magazine three months time is then saying to me oh so and so is really important and i'm like yeah I already know that. I already mm. know that from the 200 mm. people who commented in 35 minutes online. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense to you in that sense? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also what, what's brilliant is that there's other platforms apart from HFT. So maybe if you don't agree with HFT, there's going to be <laughs> another 30 similar Instagram pages that will be talking about it or they'll be giving yeah. their own take, their own spin. 
um, which you did have with like magazines before, but you didn't really go out and buy all of, or, or like not that many people went out and bought all of Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, ID Days every month or whatever and contrasted those views. Um, whereas there's a real sort of interaction between them all now and sort of everybody's got their own take within a few minutes. Um, I was literally um, last night, um, Kim Kardashian wear a costume and I was on it within six minutes of her posting and sort of um <laughs> yeah and you have and it's a lot of pressure to actually give that take within that time but then I think that's how a lot you, you might have known somebody like that maybe um before social media you, you might have known that one person who would know everything about everything and to be able to come out with these fabulous takes quickly um, but now social media makes it accessible for everybody, um, which is great. Um, it's knowledge yeah. exchange in a sense. Mm. It's, it's knowledge exchange because I think what, what happened, for example, with the Kim Kardashian, Thierry Mugler thing, mm. is that it's the, all those people who have never heard of Mugler mm. or uh, are interested will now go off and start looking further into why, what and how. Even with the exhibition in Paris, not everyone knows that that's on, you know, whatever. But as you say, with, with those influencers and those celebrities. And I think what's happened for me with HFD is it unpicks a lot of things. It doesn't just present them. It mm. unpicks them and then starts a dialogue. Mm. Yeah, well, the, I think what a lot of people don't recognise or don't accept in some cases is that there's a lot of thought and sort of planning that goes behind these even a Halloween costume mm -hmm. um like I was unpicking what why Kim Kardashian wore that and how she's done these kind of things before and she's compared herself to a cyborg but uh, because other people have done so and blah 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 and it, it, like to some people it might be overkill and might be sort of she just wore a Halloween costume like chill out but <laughs> When you're talking about fashion, though, it it represents millions of pounds. Um, like I'm wondering whether Mugler was actually sponsoring that because um, the brand, the the modern brand under L'Oreal, are now working with Thierry. Um, so I was wondering whether that was a, a brand activation, but just a secret one. And then what does that say about sort of these hashtag ads that you have to pay for everything that's paid for um, and that transparency? Um, but maybe I'm wrong as well that you will probably never know. And that's the sort of beauty of it. Um, but yeah, I think people don't see, I think culture has been sort of made into a sort of something that can be manufactured or, or they they fine-tuned manufacturing culture to such a T um, that people don't realize it and it's happening all the time um, and I think people should understand what's actually happening instead of just accepting it and sort of thinking that it's some sort of magical cultural moment even though I think I still love these cultural moments that are manufactured um, and I think they're important I, I just think it's it's even more interesting to understand that somebody somewhere in or, or committee somewhere in a boardroom um, or in an office had this conversation designed this moment um, 
which kind of brings us on to sort of how fashion has changed from designing clothes to designing these sort of cultural moments where it's a social media moment or it's uh, something happening um, online and physically. Um, it's really fascinating to see that happen before our eyes. Um, and yeah, it, it's such an interesting moment to be spectating the whole thing. And I, I want to share that with other people that sort of how interesting it is and sort of the things that go through my head. Um, it's really funny because I, when I lived in London um, a few years ago with a flatmate and he was sort of vaguely into fashion. Like he understood it, but he wasn't as obsessed as I was. But I'd be like, every time that something would happen, I'd like come to his door and rant to him about all the things. <laughs> Basically, I'd just give an extended version of my Instagram captions um, <laughs> and how this connected to this and who this person is involved and why this person is this and why this person didn't like it or didn't comment. And yeah, it's, it's always sort of been something that's fascinated me. So I think it's great to be able to have somewhere to share it. Right, I'm going to break you off there because I think we need to move on to the next subject, which will be the next little bit. I think that's given us a perfect insight into HFT. Let's move on to the next one in a minute. 